Alrighty guys, here's the situation. It is 1am and you just got done watching a really, really sad movie where the main character sacrifices and dies for something they love. It's a very, very, very emotional moment. And in emotional moments like these, your mind naturally goes to bacteria. So you start to think, oh, bacteria. You think, wouldn't it be crazy if bacteria could experience love like we humans do, like this person in the movie just did? Well, hold on to your teeth, guys, because today we are learning all about bacterial altruism. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I'm your host, Dr. K. Thank you so much for tuning in on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. Uh, if, whilst you are here, you wouldn't mind hitting that follow button, that'd be really cool. You could also pass it on to a friend, and that would also be very cool. Um, but regardless of either of those things, on to the next episode. Now, I can already hear you shrilling into your headset. I can hear you all the way from over here, Dr. K., don't be silly. Bacteria can't have true love. Love isn't to be found in bacteria. Love is what the kids call an open door. Love is what the adults call love is a battlefield. Love isn't going to be found in a bacterial culture. That's just silliness. That's just nonsense, Dr. K. Now, what I want you to do is just hold on for a few minutes. Hear me out. I am not going to say that bacteria actually love each other, at least not in the way that we love each other, but... It does seem that bacteria have a, some altruistic tendencies that are actually real, really cool to understand and explore. So what am I talking about here when I am talking about this bacterial altruism? Excuse me. Now, in order to understand this, we need to spend a little bit of time explaining some of the complexities of bacterial communities. How is it that bacteria organize themselves in communities? What does this look like? And this introduces this notion of biofilms. Now, biofilms, you may actually know a little bit about biofilms already. They could, you can just, but if you don't, you can, they can kind of be thought about as these really complicated zoo exhibits that house a bunch of different bacteria and other microorganisms. Just as like a zoo exhibit can house like zebras and giraffes and gazelles, a zebra, a zebra, a giraffe, and a gazelle all enclosed in the same exhibit, biofilms, they're these contained areas that are made up of a bunch of different bacterial species or microorgan other types of microorganisms, and they're all squished into the same environment. Now, unlike the zoo animals that I mentioned a second ago, where they're spatially related, they're kind of in the same area, um, but they're not like physically connected to each other, bacteria in a biofilm are not only spatially connected, but they're connected by their environment as well. And what do I mean by that? So, when bacteria reside in a biofilm, they secrete what are known as extracellular polymeric substances. I'll say it again. Extracellular polymeric substances, also known as EPSs. And these are, hmm, these are EPSs. They're basically just a bunch of different sugars or proteins or lipids and nucleotides, all these biomolecules all stuck together in this sticky jelly-like substance, and it causes all the bacteria and any other type of microorganisms that are present, it causes all of them to stick together. So that's basically what a biofilm is. You can, that's, I'm sorry, let me, let me take a step back. So that's what biofilms are. What are the things that make up a biofilm? I mentioned that bacteria are, make up a biofilm. Microorganisms can be part of a biofilm. Is it just one type of species? Is it multiple types of species? Biofilms tend to be very complex. While you can have biofilms that are composed of one type of microorganism, 
Typically in nature, you'll find that there are dozens, even hundreds of different types of bacterial species all stuck together in any given biofilm, in this immovable jelly-like thing. Bacteria that are found in biofilms, for the most part, are non-motile, which means that they are irreversibly associated to the biofilm, and they're going to stay associated to the biofilm and attached to that big old group until they die. Okay? Now, as I'm saying this, you might be like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem like it's actually worth anything. It seems like it's a very limiting type of thing for a bio, for, I'm sorry, for a bacteria, right? It seems very limiting. I mean, what is the, is there any point to a bacteria living in a biofilm? turns out that biofilms are actually very useful when it comes to protecting the colony or colonies as the case may be from, from attack and from other environmental stressors. Remember, since they, there's these EPSs, right? They're this, remember those were sticky, gooey biomolecules. Since those molecules and that gooey stickiness is so tough, this means that biofilms are actually impervious to a number of different environmental stressors. So, for example, if antibiotics show up, only the outer bacteria will die because they're the only ones that are going to be interacting with the antibiotic, right? If you try rinsing a biofilm off with water, oftentimes they'll just hang out there and they won't get washed off. If you try scraping at a biofilm, you're probably just going to get a tiny amount of bacteria off. Biofilms, they're actually really, really tough. Now, as a quick side tangent, this is actually why biofilms are some of the most annoying things that we have to deal with whenever we're dealing with bacteria. Biofilms, they'll form on our teeth as plaques, which it, which happens, and then we have to get them removed by, by dentists, so brush your teeth, kids. Um, they can be found in catheters, other pieces of uh, hospital equipment, and those can cause deadly infection if they're not treated rapidly. Um, they're also found all over the bottoms of like ships and boats and these things like this. Navies all around the world, including the U.S. Navy, they spend a whole bunch of time just having to scrape biofilms off the bottom of their boats, which is, just, like I mentioned, a huge waste of time and it's a huge waste of money. So biofilms are tough little things, and they're really, really hard to deal with. Now, in addition to being so tough, biofilms, they also provide a host of other advantages for bacteria, but for now, just focus on the fact that they're tough and that they're all kind of enclosed in this one area. We'll have to talk more about biofilms in another episode. But now, this is when you are interjecting and saying, wait a minute, Dr. K, I have my popcorn, I have my tissues, and it is now 1.15 in the morning. I'm having a really hard time right now, and I want to be moved by a bacterial story. How on earth does this relate to love or altruism or whatever? Okay, so again, to reiterate, the bacteria, they don't actually love each other. They do, and they do seem to have these altruistic tendencies or these tendencies to uh, to act selflessly or or to put the needs of something before before them. So what does this look like in terms of bacteria and in terms of biofilms? Now, in order to finally uh, put a bow on this and answer that, I need to backtrack something that I said a minute ago about how bacteria tend to be um, to not want to leave a biofilm once they settle in a biofilm. They tend to be irreversibly bound to a biofilm. There are some instances where bacteria, even though they're in a biofilm, will want to leave. Remember that the biofilm is composed of a bunch of different bacterial species, and some of those bacterial species actually don't get along particularly well. And there's predator-prey relationships between the bacteria species that make up a biofilm. In addition to that, biofilm environments change. Right. So and like say you change the pH or if you if there's a change in temperature or something like this, 
there are going to be some types of bacteria that do better in those different environmental conditions and will want to either stay or leave the biofilm depending on those environmental conditions. Okay, so sometimes the biofilm can be a dangerous place for a particular type of bacteria. An example of this is the bacteria Colobacter crescentis, right? So what is Colobacter crescentis? Colobacter crescentis is a crescent-shaped bacteria that likes to form these really long filaments. Now, Colobacter by itself can form a biofilm readily enough, but what happens is in nature, as time progresses, environments will change, and then other bacteria will start to show up and cluster into the biofilm, and those can actually be really dangerous to Colobacter. As a result, as those other types of bacteria show up and start to cluster around Colobacter, the biofilm will actually cease to be a place of safety for Colobacter, and it'll start to look more, hmm, for lack of a better term, it'll start to look more like a like a bacterial prison, right? Where Colobacter, where new Colobacter cells are, during cell division, are born, for lack of a better term, and then they'll get killed by the rival bacteria, and then they'll die. Right, so it's not a really great environment for Colobacter to be growing and 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 dividing. Right, so there's there's a lot of pressure for Colobacter to want to to leave. Now, there is there is a way that Colobacter can escape this what I will call biofilm prison, and it centers on bacterial division. Okay, so when Colobacter actually divide when they're at a biofilm, there's a moment where the new cell, the newly made daughter cell it's called, has to decide whether or not it wants to stay with the biofilm and click on irreversibly or fly off to a new place. The problem is, unless they're specifically told not to attach to the biofilm, they're just going to keep on thinking, oh, everything's totally fine and hunky-dory in the biofilm, and so then they'll just attach to the biofilm. And then as a result, that seals their fate, they're stuck, and they're locked in this biofilm prison where they get killed with the, by the rival bacteria. There's only one way that Colobacter, that these new Colobacter daughter cells are kind of kind of shaken by the shoulders, by reality, and told to strike out into a new world. And that is when they sense the presence of environmental bacterial DNA, and specifically other Colobacter DNA. If they sense the presence of external Colobacter DNA, then they'll swim off to avoid the biofilm. Unfortunately, there's a really, really big problem with that, and that is that cells tend to not just, you know, release their DNA. That only happens in the event of cell death. So where is this external Colobacter DNA coming from? Now, it might be about this time that you realize that there's only one real spot that this Colobacter DNA can come from, and that is the Colobacter that are trapped in the biofilm. And the thing is, they appear to know this. So what the Colobacter that are trapped in the biofilm and are already set upon by the rival bacteria, what they do is they make this ultimate sacrificial move and they just lice themselves. So environments where the biofilm is inhospitable, trapped Colobacter will actually trigger this self-lytic toxin that causes themselves to rupture and that releases their DNA into the environment. And that serves as this warning to the newly made Colobacter daughter cells. And those newly made Colobacter daughter cells then are like, oh my gosh, we need to get out of here right now. And so then they fly off into the new and scary world, but they're freed by this altruistic sacrifice of their predecessors. So let's, let's actually, let's put this recap on this whole, on this whole uh, episode then. Number one, biofilms are in a complicated cluster 
of primarily non-motile organisms. Number two, sometimes bacteria like Colobacter will get stuck in a biofilm where they're hunted and killed by other bacteria. Number three, the only way that a newly divided Colobacter daughter cell knows to avoid the colony in the biofilm and knows that it's time to escape and, and, and go somewhere else is by sensing the presence of extracellular Colobacter DNA, which is a proxy for Colobacter death. And so number four, finally, trapped Colobacter will then sacrifice themselves as a way of warning off newly made Colobacter, scaring them off, but actually letting the colony escape the biofilm as a result. It's this really, really crazy, crazy thought with literally like no self-interest other than just freeing their colony, whole groups of Colobacter will self-lice, signaling for the rest of their colony that it's time to escape while they can. It's honestly, it's kind of the stuff that you that you see in movies. Um, and it's also just one instance of this so-called altruistic behavior that you'll see in some bacterial species. Um, but when you're looking around yourself today, Make sure to take care of the person standing next to you. Turns out that bacteria can do that, and and I know so can we. But that is all I have for you today. I hope you guys really enjoyed the episode. I cannot wait to talk with you again next Tuesday um, for another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. But until then, I'm Dr. K. See you later, guys. Bye.